Hey, hey, Cubs fans. Welcome to Cubs on Tap, presented by On Tap Sportsnet. I am Brian Mishler, and I'm with my co-host, Patrick Mooney. How are we doing tonight, Patrick? Oh, we're hanging in there, Brian. We're hanging in there. Yeah, it was a tough one today. I mean, Quintana pitched his heart out. I mean, he's been pitching great lately. <laughs> he breaks his own personal record, like we were saying just now, like 10 seconds ago. You said that before we got into the air, Patrick, and... The Cubs still can't squeak out, a dub, squeak out a W on the road, even with him pitching like that. So it's just tough to see. And it just goes down to the continued narrative of the Cubs can't hit lefties and they can't win on the road. So when you face a lefty on the road, the Cubs are probably not going to win that game. So what do you think about that? Yeah, and throw a third ingredient in there, especially with the injuries to the bullpen. Bullpen yeah. depth kind of coming back to hurt them. So, yeah, I mean, they had two registered hits tonight outside of the infield on back-to-back at bats. The Castellanos homer followed by the Bryant double. With both with nobody out, uh, Bryant was not able to come around to score even. So they didn't – yeah, they did literally nothing against uh, Jason Vargas, whose fastball topped out at, I want to say, 83 miles an hour today. Uh, just throwing, you know, between 70 and 83 miles an hour, and they did, you know, quite literally nothing against it. So they – you know, I mean, that's that's – the bed you make when, when you aren't, you know, getting any sort of offense at all. I don't understand it too, because the Cubs just put up 12 on the road against Cincinnati. I understand that wasn't against, the against lefty. the, it was like, against the lefty. It, it was against Alex the, Wood. Unbelievable. So that just means the Cubs just didn't come ready to play today, to be honest. Like, I mean, I mean, it's baseball shit happens, but I don't understand how they, you can, it's not only that they didn't score runs. It's like you said, they didn't even they did you just didn't square it up all night against a very below average pitcher. So it's just tough to it's tough to like just I don't know. It's tough to figure out the Cubs sometimes when they do this. They always have a clunker. One of these. It seems like every once a week, maybe twice a week, they play like this, and it they just sleepwalk through games. Yeah, and you know, still with the lefties, I think the this is where the Wilson Contreras injury really hurts because yeah. you get Castellanos, but it's basically with Contreras out against lefties, it's basically a one for one swap. Um, against righties, it doesn't their offense has still been better because uh, you know Hap has been able to help on that front, and Hap has had some big at bats early on in a very small sample size from the right side of the plate. But historically, and mo- this is the case for most switch hitters, they aren't the same caliber of hitter facing lefties as they are facing righties. So with Contreras not in there, um, by weighted runs created plus, I think he was third on the team behind Bryant and the newly acquired Castellanos uh, on the entire team. And then other than that, or Javi might have been better. But, you know, they've really it's the right. depth there. Yeah, the depth is the depth in that lineup still. And, you know, at the top of the lineup, Hayward, who's really struggled against lefties all year long, he had two walks and hit one to the warning track that just didn't get out. So he was all right. Uh, Bryant had a double and a walk. Castellanos had a hit and a home run. Um, but then four through nine, nobody, there's there's nothing there. And, you know, Jonathan Lucroy, you know, he's a, a third catcher at this point, and they have him being Caratini's backup. He's hitting six tonight. He doesn't do anything. Javi didn't do anything. Rizzo didn't do it. Rizzo had some really bad, impatient at bats today. Uh, cost them a couple times. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, we could, there, there's plenty of blame to go around. Yeah, I would agree. And going off to what you said about Hayward, he's actually having a brutal August so far to start the start August. So, I mean, I, I have faith in Hayward. He's going to turn it around. But, I mean, when you have, like you're saying, can't hit lefties, 
Hayward's struggling. You don't have Contreras. Obviously, Castellanos is still going, but you, know, you had Brian had a double in the top of the fourth, and then Cubs fly out their next two batters. I mean, I'm not a big small ball, small ball guy, but sometimes you just have to have the right approach to move the runner over, and you can't. You can't have a leadoff. It wasn't a leadoff double because after Castellanos was home run. But when you get a double with two outs, you have to score that guy. I don't care how you do it. He's got to come. He's got to. He's got to be a run. So I don't know. And yeah. Going off the and like four- you mentioned, just to, to get you right there with two outs in that inning, there was an infield hit. Luke Roy hit one off the middle that glanced off a glove. If you know that's two batters, you know Bryant's not able to yeah. get his way to third. That's a run right there. Exactly. But no, two two fly two lazy flyouts and then two outs and then you don't get a run and then like you're saying it looks like Rizzo is starting to press now. I saw in the Cubs post game with Kaplan that you know Rizzo has five home runs since June 2nd, so he's, his power. I knew it was I knew it was two. He hit one against Kenley Jansen in mid June against uh, the Dodgers in L.A. and that was his 19th of the year. So it's been about two full months now. He only has two. He hasn't hit one since July 27th in Milwaukee, and he only has one extra base hit so far in August. Yeah, and, and he's notorious for always – you always worry about him hitting one out or hitting a double whenever he get up, gets up there. So the the power not being there is very weird. And he's probably starting to press and because I'm sure Rizzo knew her even before we did that the power numbers weren't there. So I hopefully he starts to figure it out pretty soon. Yeah, that OPS dipped under 900 tonight for the first time in a long time. Yeah, and for like two and a half months. To and to stick with you know that left-handed, uh, I had a Twitter thread today, you know, with or without Contreras in the lineup, a big staple has been you know Rizzo has been you know an equal hitter throughout since since he figured things out back in his first All Star appearance in 2014. He's been an equal hitter versus lefties and righties from over the last five years. He's been an 850 OPS hitter, which is 132 weighted runs created plus for you listeners. That's 32 percent better than league average against left-handed pitching. And through the All Star break this year, in a smaller sample, but you know through roughly 100 games this season, he had a 670 OPS. And uh, I tweeted, I was encouraged because through, again, a really small sample, in 31 plate appearances since the All-Star break, uh, he had a 286 batting average, 350 on base, and an impressive 505 slugging uh, versus left-handed pitching, you know, turning it around, hitting, you know, basically, again, equal as he was against righties. Uh, And so they need that down the stretch, and today he had some really bad plate appearances against Vargas. They see another junk ball lefty on Thursday uh, and Drew Smiley. So, you know, Rizzo has to kind of lead the charge, I think. No other lefties on this roster are really capable of hitting left-handed pitching. Um, So, and for people that are upset about that, league-wide, that's not, that's that's the norm. There are only 14 active players in baseball um, who have a 150 or more plate appearances in their career against lefties, which is not a big sample. Only 14 in all the league that have a, a at league average or better slash line against lefties, this is among left-handed hitters. Lefties don't hit lefties. It's very strange. I, I didn't realize how crazy that was until I saw that stat about a month ago. Um, but Rizzo was one of those 14 hitters, and he hasn't been that guy this year, and it's really, really showed. There's there's not enough depth behind him or behind you know the Castellanos, Bryant, Javi group with Contreras out. Rizzo's got to start hitting. And that was one of the biggest reasons why – 
the front office, Theo and Jed acquired Castellanos because how brutal the Cubs were against lefties this year. And it's even bad yes. with Castellanos. And that just proves how lost the Cubs were against lefties before they acquired him. Agreed. Agreed. Man, thank God. <laughs> yeah, I mean, think about this lineup. If they didn't get Castellanos and Contreras to start against lefties, I don't know what they do. I'd say it would mean now more would be in the lineup more, but they still can't, you know, they, you know, Joe still can't be you know, bribed to get him out of the lineup, apparently. He's not even hitting eighth. He's still hitting between five and seven against them, or leading off against them. And Almora Almora has not, I mean, I guess historically he has, but he's been horrible against lefties this year, against anybody. Since last All-Star break. It's been over a calendar year now. Yeah, so maybe that's just who he is. And this segues into something I wanted to talk about. So Almora, it just blows my mind i mean we were talking about this like a month ago patrick i remember on one of our podcasts and i thought around a month ago we were about basically over without more starting games and then when they acquired tony kemp and castellanos with the deadline okay there's no chance we see Almora starting any more games yet he's still starting games and he batted lead off like you said i want to say three or four games ago here are the facts Almora is a negative 0.2 wins above replacement player that means he, he should never be starting, let alone for a contending team who has aspirations of winning a World Series this year. He has a negative three defensive runs saved this year. So the narrative that he is a good center fielder is or one of the best center fielders in baseball is a joke. And now he's a below average defensive center fielder because he's not played well defensively the past three weeks or so. I think he's pressing a little bit because he realizes the media is right. all over him. So I do think that's affecting him in the outfield. But with that being said, he can't hit and he can't defend now. So why the hell is he starting? I don't understand why they acquired Tony Kemp if they're going to continue to play Almora. Because the whole point of acquiring Castellanos and Tony Kemp was to not have to have two automatic outs at the bottom of the the lineup. But they're still starting Almora. So it just doesn't make any sense to me. I think what you have to do, because of how bad Hat played at second base today, I mean, he looked like me at high school out there like I was just like he's not confident he had no confidence in his ability at second base and I think you got to start him in center field now or start him in left field and move Hayward to center field but I don't think he can play second base then I think you have to put Bodie or Tony Kemp at second and then maybe start a more a more once a week max I don't think it should be at all but I also don't think that's even right. We have to temper our expectations. Yeah. <laughs> we can't, we can't have our cake and eat it too. Exactly. I'm, I'm right there with you. <laughs> um, so you mentioned the half thing. I do think, you know, I mean, he had some horrible plays out today, you know, at second base. I think they knew what they were getting at second. I mean, we watched Daniel Murphy play second for 40 games at the end of last year when they, their primary lineup, I think needs to still have half at second, just because you're looking at, Schwarber, Hayward, and Castellanos are clearly three of the top eight against players on this righties. team. Okay. Against righties. Against righties, he's definitely in second. But against lefties, I think Hap should be in center. I Yes, and that's I, I like that because against lefties, you're going to sit a corner outfielder, probably Schwarber. So that does one of two things. One, you you can move Hayward to his primary defensive position in right field. Um well, I guess he's in there anyway with Almora in center. So you don't have to shift Hayward over. You can play, you know, Hayward and Castellanos and Happ in center, and I agree. Against lefties, if if you're going to take out Schwarber and Happ's going to be in the lineup either way, whether you're playing him in second in the outfield, 
put him in the outfield and get somebody who can do something, whether it's offensively or defensively, with David Bodie or Tony Kemp at second base. Yeah. Um, I, and I do think we're about – I think in September we might finally see that when Addison Russell's back with the big league club. Not that I'm beating the drum to try to get him back into the lineup. You know, there's multiple reasons on and off the field related why nobody wants to see him around. But he's going to be back with the club in September. He's been tearing the cover off the ball in the AAA since he's been sent down. So I think that's a lineup we'll start to see in September. But maybe just for my own sanity, I'm not getting my hopes up that Almora is going to be out of the lineup anytime soon. I think for the rest of the month, Madden's going to ride him against lefties. I really do. I disagree. I don't want him to do it, but I think that's inevitably what we're going to – because it hasn't changed yet. I don't see what's going to make it change now. That's true, but it's just literally the definition of insanity. Expect <laughs> doing the same thing over and over again, over and over again expecting different it's results. True. That's Joe Madden. That's where we're at in 2019. But – with your what you said, I agree with. I don't. I actually don't think they should be benching Schwarber against lefties right now because he hasn't performed. I mean, benching him for Albert Amora is just uh, just stupidity. So I don't think that right. they're going to bench him for somebody else. Okay, maybe. But I think you got to. I mean, Schwarber's done one of the best hitters on the team since the All Star break. So right. I think maybe you start him. But I mean, going more into Albert Amora, everybody, everybody just. Ragged Jason Hayward in 2016 with his bad year. Jason he, Albert Amore is a significantly worse player right now than Jason Hayward was in 2016. Absolutely. Jason, Jason Hayward was probably the best right defensive right fielder in baseball that year, and you could get away with him being a very, very below average hitter. And a quality good. base runner, too. Exactly. When he was very, on base. That is a very good point because Albert Amore is simply not as fast. He's probably the slowest straight speed wise center fielder in the game he does get good jumps in center field that's why he was graded well as a defensive prospect coming through the system although like i said earlier he's been inside his head lately and he has not played well out in center field at all and then moving forward with that daniel discalso and john lester have better on base percentages than albert amora and that's just that's absurd everybody said discalso should be dfa'd and John Lester is a pitcher and by no means a great hitting pitcher. So I think I think it needs to be done. I think you need Bodie at second or, or Kemp at second and then half at left or center field against lefties. And, and against righties, I think the Cubs lineup is very, very, very good. One of the best in the NL. But if the Cubs even want to make the World Series, it all points to the Dodgers. And the Dodgers are loaded with lefties. So if they cannot hit lefties, I think that's the ceiling right there. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Yeah, not even to get. Yeah, I don't even want to think about that right now. It's just too, you know, we're so far away from just getting there because of just yeah. leaving too many opportunities on the table. Um, I had a thought. Oh, you mentioned the Almora Schwarber thing. Yeah, for as bad as Schwarber's been this season against lefties and for most of his career, you know, he had a weird developmental path. Never really had an opportunity to, you know, just kind of get in there every day, no matter what the results and develop against lefties, which is fine. They were in a competitive window, but for as bad as he's been, he's still been better than Almora has been against lefties. So yeah, there's not, yeah, it's going to probably, honestly, it's, it's just, I, I, I'm worried. I think it's going to continue to be a problem if while Contreras is out, hopefully he gets back, you know, as soon as possible. They're facing an abnormally amount, an abnormally large amount of lefties um, this week for whatever reason, just how the schedule falls. So hopefully they can, you know, just kind of weather the storm a little bit. Um, 
yeah, I like your proposal getting Bodie at second. Uh, he's been hitting the ball a little bit better the last couple weeks. You know, get Bodie at second, get Omora out of there, get Hat back in center, and yeah, just just apparently going off that. Um, Kaplan said on the post game that uh, Hap was basically playing center field all year in Triple A. So he was. What what the hell were the Cubs thinking and not getting reps at second? Or just throwing him to the fire at second. Like, I don't understand that at all. He should have been getting reps at second a month and a half ago when the Cubs were having problems at second base. So, and with with him being a good center fielder, because I think, I mean, he's like barely above average in terms of analytics right now, which, I mean, I'll take that if you're going to get the above average bat and compared to Amora. So just start him in center. I don't get what the infatuation with Albert Amora is. It's been over a year since you said, because dating back to the All-Star break last year, he sucked. So I don't, like, Theo preached, I remember after the Cubs lost to the Rockies in the wildcard game last year in his exit press conference, he talked about next year's the year of reckoning, where it's all about it's all about production over potential. Well, I honestly think they're rolling out Albert Armora down there because he's a first-round draft pick because of his potential. So, at some point, the uh, production's just staring at you in face, and I don't understand if it's Joe Madden making this call or if it's the front office or if they're butting heads right now. I don't know what's going on, but it's not the, the problem continues to uh, just be exasperated and gets worse and worse. Yeah, and like you said, it's not just so. Almora hasn't consistently hit at any level since dating back to low A ball when he was a 19 year old. That was um 2013. So he hasn't hit, you know, and he was coming up and when he was used as a part-time player, he was hitting lefties in his first, you know, year or so in the league. And then with extended playing time uh, shot, which I understood why they gave him, he was exploited and was just horrible. And, you know, it was one thing when, you know, they had had Hap down in AAA, you know, reworking his swing, which was probably necessary. The Ben Zobris debacle happens out of nowhere. Um you know, the whole Addison Russell situation. So they had to put somebody, they had to play somebody out there. And so we thought, why not go put, you know, a a solid glove out in center field. And they they didn't have many options, but now, like you said, they've addressed the depth. They made three moves with Castellanos, Hap and Tony Kemp. Um, And they've, they've done a good job the last two weeks or so. And with this whole, you know, Madden said the other day to quote, like it's big boy time. I can't worry about the development, which was whatever. And, you know, Theo keeps harping on the, on, you know, the production over talent. But like you said, he's been saying that for a year, how much of it's just lip service. And they've been, they have been, you know, adhering to that plan with pretty much every other player, both in the, you know, in in the pitching staff and from the position player side, Except for Albert. Albert still is. Hold on, I gotta sneeze. Bless you. Man, man. so that was just that was that was probably good. That sneeze was a natural stop to <laughs> prevent prevent me from going on because you know there's a whole lot more than just Albert today. But the the systemic problem, like you said, is you keep giving a player like that that many at bats, and it's it's just going to end up poorly for you. Yeah. And I mean, he got a hit today, but it was another infield hit. And he is just, uh, he gets a lot of those, and he just consistently does not hit the ball hard. Still not as much as he should. 
because he's still too slow to leg out. If the ball bounces three or four times, he's still getting gunned down. He had one of those today. He had a four hopper to Gene Segura with two outs and a run around third, and he gets gunned down. He's holding his helmet the whole way because his hair is so big. It's flopping and bopping up and down. Yeah, like I was saying earlier, he is probably the slowest, like, straight. Like, he's quick. He's quick. I'm not going to give him that, but he's the slowest, like, straight-end speed I've ever seen in center field on the league. But enough about Mora. Okay. Wanted to say another a point. The Phillies had three two-out RBIs today, and that just hurts considering the Cubs had a uh, not a leadoff double. But like I said, they had an opportunity in, I think it was the sixth, the top of the sixth, to put on more than one run after Castellanos hits a bomb, then Brian hits a double. But Cubs, I mean, I'm, I'm not big on harping, harping on the runners in scoring position because I think it's all about getting people in scoring position in the first place. I agree. I think that's always overblown, but I agree. But still, I mean, when the Phillies have three two-out RBIs, you just hate to lose a game like that. And it just feels like they kept getting the clutch hits and the Cubs, I mean, they haven't been bad this year, but I don't know. It just felt like a bad one to lose, especially with Quintana and how great he pitched. And uh, I don't know, that's a game the Cubs should be able to win on the road. Yeah, no, it was. And again, it's kind of, it's a little bit like their Friday loss in Cincinnati, although they were facing a great pitcher that night. You knew you had these tough pitching matchups coming up in, you know, their next couple days. And so today was kind of the same thing. They were in position to win and just kind of sleepwalked through the entire nine inning game, kind of like they were waiting. They almost like the first time through the order against Vargas, it's like they were almost using it to, yeah, let's just get a bit of a feel for him. And then we'll, and then we'll go after him. Like those, yeah. those not those first nine outs, those still count, you know, against your 27. So mm-hmm. for the course of the game, so that's bad. That was bad. And um, I had a thought here. Well, I wanted to go off what you said. It just felt like one of those games where the Cubs are just playing, like just going through the motions, just no intensity. Oh. And it just, oh, yeah. I, I got that all, I got that feeling the entire game. And it just, yeah. it's happened way and, too often. Right. This year with the Cubs. Yeah. And so, and I remembered what I was saying was so to have that lackluster performance facing their ace tomorrow, Aaron Nola. So you have to worry about him. Um, and then, yeah, like it's just it's a team that's been through so much should not be playing so lackadaisical on the road because they don't have fans cheering behind them. I hate that that even make that's that's so like illogical and meatball. I hate when people say stuff like that. I hate it. But but we we're looking at a sample size of thirteen games under. We we're we're looking at they've they've played about seventy five percent of their road games and they're thirteen games under on the road. It's yeah. they, they and they're just these sleepwalking losses. Uh, and it's, it's absurd, especially given how last year at the end of the year it panned out where they they relinquished the division against the Brewers and then lost back to I think it was back to back nights or. And yes, it was. And the tiebreaker, and then the wild card game. So it's just you think there'd be more of a sense of urgency, but the thing is, they're not. Who are they getting it from? I mean, I guess Castellanos was a good breath of, breath of fresh air at the deadline, but he's only one man. I don't think. I think Hayward, Rizzo, and Bryant are good. Are good leaders, but they're not. They're not ones to call people out, and the language barrier probably hurts it a little bit for Contreras and Baez. And I'm just thinking, 
who on the who on the roster is going to rile people up and get people to stop dogging it? It's not going to be Joe Madden. He's not that type of manager. He never will be. So I've been saying this for like two months, but I, I don't know. It's not going to change. Yeah, no, I think it's just you try to play best, and you finally. I'm 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 curious to see like you have the Pirates have been the worst team in baseball. I'm pretty sure since the. All-Star break came to it since that came to a close. So, so you get three in Pittsburgh this weekend with the Sunday night Williamsport Little League Classic. When I mean, you know, go. I I never say sweep on the road, but go take three from a horrible team. You just saw what the Cardinals did in St. Louis, and they had the Pirates pissed away a game on Sunday in St. Louis. Go win. I mean, if 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 this. If, if this road trip doesn't end with them breaking their streak of road series losses, that means you're losing two out of three against the Pirates. That means it's not changing. Yeah, that would be that would be just a brutal. And I mean, they could still they could win the next two against the Phillies. Don't get me wrong, but if <laughs> based off the past, not gonna happen. They they've won back to back road games. They that would take winning back to back road games, and they've done that one time, one since May first. Nice. So yeah, I mean, the, it, it has to change. I mean, I it all, I even if they win the division, I would be shocked if they ended up with a better record than the Braves. So what does that put them? It puts them in a five-game series in the NLDS on the road at Atlanta. So they can't figure out how to win on the road. Even if they win the division, it's going to be an early exit in playoffs. Yeah, I mean, you just try. They have so much talent and like you said i mean they're they're two and three on this road trip you know winning four out of five seems almost impossible but the pirates are just so bad and we haven't gotten much of that in the national league where we have even when they're playing spirits were a different team early on the only other horde team in the nl is the marlins the cubs swept the marlins in miami so getting to pittsburgh yeah the nl doesn't have teams that are quote-unquote tanking like the al does Right, the league landscapes have shifted over the last three to four years. In the in in the National League, you know, in fifteen, sixteen, and seventeen, you know, a third, you know, more than a third of the National League was taking. Now in the AL, it's kind of flipped. So, you know, the Cubs haven't had the advantage of being able to go on the road and face kind of these cupcakes. So you get that with Pittsburgh this weekend, but you got to get there first. You know, wait. You know, it's always. I mentioned this, and I did a. Thursday nights when they won the, the series opener against the Reds, I was on with Nick, and I talked about how important I thought it was to win that road series opener because so many times in these road series, they're, they're, all, they're in a hole before the series can even get to going. They lose the first game, and it's been a lot of these you know, zombie sleepwalking losses. Well, they had another one of those tonight, so now you got to go face their ace and another junk ball lefty on Thursday. And the good news is our starting rotation has been really, really consistent and solid and good. So after a blip on the radar, Cole Hamels, you know, we like – I want to see him. It's his third start back from the DL. He had one great one at home, one crap one in Cincinnati. Let's see if that was just a fluke in Cincinnati or if he still has some things to work back into full, work himself back into full strength. Um, so Hamels tomorrow and then Darvish, who's been pitching real well the last, you know, going on two, a little longer than two months now, the last 15 starts or so, he's been pitching real well. So, you know, we just got to kind of hope our starting rotation can carry us like Jose Quintana did today and cross our fingers and hope they can do a little bit more offensively and, and the bullpen isn't as leaky. Yeah, I agree. And like you said, um, I actually, as a 
our starting pitching on the road this year has actually been pretty brutal and Hamels is because of that. However, it is his former team. So I think that'll help a little bit. But oh, yeah. uh, like we said, the starting pitching has been very good this year. It's been probably the strength of the Cubs. And I it was funny. I actually wrote a, an article about two, two weeks ago, I think, about how the Cubs have a good enough uh, starting pitching to win the World Series. And I, and I intentionally did not include Jose Quintana in that article because I was assuming the top four would be like Hendricks, yeah. Hamels, Darvish. Lester and use Q out of the pen. Yeah, but I mean, after his, in his last three starts, he has a one nine one eight nine ERA with twenty six Ks and one walk. So how can right. you not like? I don't know. I yeah, mean, starting pitching. I mean, it's obviously you can't think of the playoffs right now, but I mean, Jose Quintana has pitched as well as in the entire MLB in his last three starts. So I mean, you still got a lot to a lot of lot to look forward to in the starting rotation because when Jose Quintana is your five. That means your starting rotation is loaded, right? And I, I actually I wrote about Quintana this morning, and I linked yeah, I your it. your uh, your starting rotation piece in there. And we kind of seen two versions of him. And he has one thing that's encouraging. You know, when they acquired him in 2017, he was down, dynamite down the stretch, and some of his best starts and his sort of disappointing 2018 season came down the stretch in September too. So obviously, you know, in, in August, he's been, you know, 26 strikeouts and in 19 innings. That's for a guy who entered August with seven Ks per nine, you know, may, maybe he's found something there. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, like I said, like you said, I mean, I, you don't want to get, uh, we don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves and think about a playoff rotation. They're yeah. only a game up in the division right now. Um, but yeah, just keep if the rotation keeps doing what they're doing, the pen's gonna be much healthier as soon as this weekend. It looks like Kinsler is gonna be activated on Friday. Kimbrell will be activated very shortly. Um, so the the pen will be back in a more normal, you know, shape here. They just gotta keep the pedal to the metal and they, they can't have another loss like this this series. I don't it's just a you'd like to think normally we just say it's a regular August loss, but when they're thirteen under on the road you got to take advantage of every single game you're in and down the stretch. And, you know, they had this game. They had, they had every bit of opportunity as the Phillies did tonight to win. And they didn't, they, they didn't. Yeah, I agree. And the last point I wanted to make was we probably can't go on this episode without talking about the absurd strike call on Tony Kemp in the ninth. Oh, that was one of the worst calls I've seen all year. And Jesse Rogers actually tweeted, tweeted, after, according to ESPN Stats Info, the strike three call on Kemp had a 0.00% chance of being called a strike based on the history of that pitch. That's how bad it was. 0.0%. I mean, that yeah. was one, it was at his, his Adam's apple. So, I mean, that's just, I think the cut. Or the, and it wasn't even just straight over the plate. It was high and high. off the black. Yeah. It was, it was bizarre. I it couldn't believe it. I couldn't and believe those it. Those calls changed games because that would have put on, that would have put on first and second nobody out if I if I'm not mistaken because the Cubs either got a, a hit by pitch by Luke Roy, and then yeah. Kemp got that K, and then somebody walked, and then Hap, um, Hap made the out, but it would have been, and then Caratini walked. So Hayward yeah. came up instead of the tying run on second with one out and Castellanos on deck. It's tying run first, two outs, and you know Hayward gets you know. It took him a bat away from Castellanos with yeah. the tying run-up. So. And, I mean, every, the guy or the closer, I forget his name, would pitch, pitch to him differently. And it just – I mean, that just, the point is that decides games. 
And I think the MLB needs to be in an electronic strike zone. But, I mean, whatever. Some people don't agree with that. But you can't well, have it, calls like that. Even can't. if the electronic zone, if they are if, if they aren't as close to making it happen as they've led to believe with technology, can we at least do away with the fact that every single freaking home plate ump is 65 and older? Like, <laughs> these guys are watching these pitches with 96, you know, miles an hour with absurd yeah. movement and – they're deciding the fate of baseball seasons every single night. Can we do something about the, you know, do they have to be an ump for life? Yeah. It, 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 it doesn't matter how bad their performance is. That's a good point. And, yeah, it's something I've seen on Twitter. But, yeah, I mean, get some new blood in there, especially after you make some of those mistakes like that. And it's just – it's just it really pisses you off because, I mean, I don't know if God's <laughs> win that game, but – I mean, it gives them a better chance. I mean, nobody's watching for an up show. Yeah, exactly. And you can't really have, like I said, you can't have stuff like that. But yeah, we got the Cubs could easily win the next two games. They could get swept, but that we really don't want that to happen. But yeah, I would say that the next the next two games against the Phillies, and then the next three games, the next five games on the road are astronomically important for the Cubs here moving forward. Yeah, there's no, there's no sugarcoating it. Uh, they got, they, they, I'm really, I mean, I'm gonna be disappointed with anything but a sweep in Pittsburgh. Yeah, and you that's how the Pirates have made up their ground. The Pirates are seven and zero, or the Card, I'm sorry, that's how the Cardinals have made up their ground. They're seven and zero, or nine and zero, or something crazy like that against the Pirates since the break. So and you, you got to do go- that. You got to beat the teams you want. You got to be, and it's just, I feel like the Cubs can never get any separation in the division. They get tired, they're up one game, and then they go on a, like, they win three or four, four or five, or some shit like that. They get up by three, three and a half games, and then they go on another, like, three and four stretch. And the reason because is because they can't win on the road. So, I don't know what to expect. Yeah, no, I had, I said the same thing. When they won Thursday night when I was on with Nick to start the road trip, had their season high division lead to three and a half games. And I said, you know, we'll see how we're, because the week before they were a game behind. And they made up all this ground, and, you know, here we are almost, I said, we'll see how we are a week later. And here we are five days later, and that four-game lead over St. Louis is already back down to one. You know, they had a, they had a cookie cut. Uh, I'm sorry, no, that's not the correct phrase. They had a cupcake, you know, phase in their schedule. Uh, and the Cubs, you know, they get the Pirates. They get a cupcake over the weekend. And the Phillies really aren't special either, and they didn't play great. Today and Quintana, like you said, is the fourth or fifth best pitcher on paper. You know, Hamels and Darvish should be better than you know Quintana has been. So let, let's go out there these next two days and let's get let's just get some wins. I just let's just get back to back road wins. It shouldn't be asking too much. This team is so talented. They've done it so many damn times over the last four or five seasons. So may, just win two games in a row. That aren't in Wrigley Field. It's not a different sport. It's the same sport. <laughs> yeah, so it's just not like do it. they just forget how to play. The, they forget their talent on there when they're not in Wrigley Field. But yeah, but I think we covered everything today, Patrick. We touched on a, pretty much everything. How Cubs need to stop playing on more. They need to figure it out on the road, and they really can't hit lefties. And it's something they need to figure out if they really want to do any type of damage in the postseason, or if they even want to make the postseason. So. That's pretty much all I got, Patrick. What about you? Yeah, no, I'm. Uh, I've uh, said my case. Yeah. All right. Well, appreciate it for listening, and go Cubs, go. Go Cubs, go.